0: Hey everybody and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I'm your host Rob Oliver and with me today is Monique DeMonico. She is better known as Coach Monique and she is a change management expert. She provides tools, techniques, and solutions for her clients to unlock bold changes in their lives and careers. All of her work is based in brain science, emotional intelligence, the science of well-being, and the psychology of happiness. And it's designed to produce rapid results. Coach Monique, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Rob. I'm happy to be here with you today.
0: So tell me a little bit about kind of your background. Where where do you come from and what brought you into this whole coaching experience? What's, what's your interest here?
1: Oh, thanks for asking. That is the number one question I'm asked. So my journey actually started, um, the reason I got into this work was the work chose me. I didn't choose it. So I was born um, to two lovely people, but both uh, significantly mentally ill. Um, So they were doing the best they could, but they really struggled as well as I was born with undiagnosed learning disabilities, so I wasn't able to learn to tell time or multiplication tables, things like that, as well as undiagnosed epilepsy that presented as staring spells. So in these challenges, and to make it even sassier, my mother was uh, is a men's genius. So I really floundered in school. I was the kid who just never knew what was going on, who was always a mess, who barely passed, grades and I, I really struggled and my sense of self and how I was treated at home and and that all really kind of culminated for me when I was going into high school and I was still had this idea that maybe I would go to college and no one in my family had ever gone to college or had a job outside of a blue collar job or many of them had never worked at all. And I was told by my guidance counselor, "Oh, honey, you're never going to go to college. You're just not smart enough." Wow. And for me, that sealed that sense of self of not being enough. Um, you know, people like me just don't ever have a different kind of life. And so, at nineteen, at twenty-one, I found myself divorced, uh, single mother. Uh, Really, really struggling. I was one of those single mothers who often had to make the choice between feeding myself and feeding my child. And that's when Kraft macaroni and cheese was four for a dollar. But life has a way of changing. And I got the opportunity to go to college when I was 24. And I graduated in four years and I fell in love and remarried. And by the time I was 30 years old, I'd had a second child. I had this beautiful family. I lived in a beautiful home in a prestigious neighborhood. And I had exceeded expectations for myself or that anyone else would have ever thought I would have done. And you would have thought that I would have been very happy. And not only was I not happy, I was angry because I was ashamed that I wasn't happy. And I didn't know why. I had friends. I had this beautiful home. I had so much to be grateful for. And so on Christmas Day, when I was 30, I just sat down for a minute. I'm an avid reader, and I picked up this book, and there was a line in the book that forever changed my life. And that began a 10-year journey of deep personal discovery. So for any of your listeners who are familiar with the Silva Method or the Landmark Forum, I got heavily involved in both of those. I actually became a Silva Method instructor. I put myself in intense therapy therapy. Uh, I really studied meditation and Buddhism, many other things. And at the end of 10 years, I didn't have as a great curb appeal life. My marriage actually wasn't in a good place. And there were some other issues. But I had a sense of peace and happiness and confidence and sense of self that I never knew was possible. And one day I was at school picking my son up. And there was this group of mothers kind of off to the corner talking. And they're people that... um what we would consider by society very comfortable part of privileged and they were it was almost like they were having a competition of oh the poor woes of me my boss my husband my kids and i had what i can only classify as a spiritual experience that if these people couldn't be happy what chance did the rest of us have and in that moment it came to me that my work was that while my circumstances were unique to me my my work was to take what I had learned and help other people in the way that I had been helped. But that not everyone was a uh, personal development junkie like me, but everyone or most people needed the kind of help that I had had and to take that to people. And that started my career now 18 years ago.
0: What I'm hearing, it kind of reminds me of a Analogy that I often use when I'm speaking, and it's the analogy of where's your straw. Because some people have a glass that has a lot in it, and some people have a glass that doesn't have a whole lot in it. But those that have a full, almost full glass, if their straw is just in the top when they draw on it, they're they're sucking on nothingness. They're not getting any sustenance out of it. Other people, when they only have that little bit in the bottom of the cup, but they've got their straw in there, they're getting joy and contentment and happiness from what they have instead of spending time being miserable about what they don't have. I'm curious, what was the line in the book that stood out to you that made that change for you?
1: Well, first of all, I love that analogy. I've never heard it and it's it's ingenious. So, thank you for sharing that. The line in the book was I will always uh, be grateful for the Silva Method. And uh, the Silva Method was started by Jose Silva, who was really one of the, was the father really of personal development um, and the subconscious mind and the power of the mind and meditation and mindfulness. And actually, it was funny because that Christmas when I read that line in the book, we, got the kids a computer with something that I thought was going to be a passing fad called the internet for Christmas. So uh, the internet is still with us today, right? But I didn't know that then. And this was long before Google. I searched for the Silva method that night after everybody was in bed. It was probably one o'clock in the morning. And I found a even then to those standards, a dilapidated kind of old, you know, thrown together website. And they were closed until January. But when I called them in January, they said that there was one of their best instructors was teaching a workshop in Philadelphia in a couple of weeks. And so I did something I'd never done. I went on my first ever road trip, stayed in a hotel by myself and went to the Silva Method workshop. And the very first break started at 8 a.m. I was in the front center seat. And at 10 a.m. when they had the first break, I remember I could still see myself walking down the hall having this huge smile on my face because i recognized that my life had forever changed already and that was the beginning
0: sure that's an awesome story and it's it's great to know and to see those points where you have a turn and in that turn you know that we're never things are never going to be the same you know it's interesting especially when you look at how things are going right now we get that feeling that things are never going to be the same. And it's a feeling of despair and a feeling of uncertainty and anxiety really. But just because things aren't going to be the same doesn't mean it has to be bad. It can be, things are going to be different and it's going to be good and it's going to be okay. Um, One of the things that I'm listening and I'm hearing you talk about, you're not necessarily talking about being a therapist. You're talking about being a coach. And if I'm not mistaken, you're kind of, you call yourself a change management coach. So, what's the difference between that idea of a change management coach and your classic therapist?
1: Great question. I get asked that question a lot. Uh, and I'm pro therapy. So, um, but for me, in the work in my change management work and coaching is about today and looking forward. And so, for many people, not all therapists, and certainly not all all patients who do therapy. Therapy can often be a process where it gets worse before it gets better because you're doing a deep dive into the past. For me and my work with clients, when appropriate, we look to the past. We look at the source of where these beliefs, ideas, or expectations, or even interpretations of past experiences came from, but it's very forward-facing. So actually, my book um, that I wrote, Most People Don't Need a Therapist, They Just Need a Change, is about giving clients the tools based in brain science and emotional intelligence to take that information and how you apply it to move forward. So how you change the story, for example, from victim to survivor. And as someone who was victimized by my parents and by uh, two different teachers um, you know, I had to learn, I didn't have to learn. I chose to learn to reframe that story and to s- all the things that I learned and that I evolved and can be grateful for those experiences, that everything that I went through brought me to where I am today. And so it's more about the process. The work that I do is designed to produce rapid results. So oftentimes I, the last time I checked the stat, you know, the average person is in therapy nine months. Most clients that come to me for life coaching, not necessarily for executive coaching, the vast majority of them have been in therapy or are currently in therapy, not getting the results they wanted, and oftentimes they've been in therapy for years. I work with clients for typically eight sessions is my average because I'm empowering them with the tools and the techniques.
0: Okay. You mentioned the concept of brain science, and it's a concept I'm not 100% familiar with. Can you explain more about that to me?
1: So how I use brain science in my work is, for example, every moment of our lives, even before we're born, there are billions of neurons that are wiring and firing in our brain. And many of you may have even heard the term neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity, that term was about how the brain is like plastic. We used to believe that your brain was formed by age 27 and that's what you had for the rest of your life. And now we know that your brain has the ability to shape and change throughout your whole life. So these billions of neurons that are wiring and firing, every thought, every belief, expectation, interpretation, basically that voice in your head is constantly wiring and firing into those beliefs. And so I use for example my brain-based technique the delete delete technique to interrupt those repetitive thoughts, beliefs, expectations and interpretations of past experiences and and interrupt those thoughts that aren't serving you and create new neuro pathways and new ways of thinking and believing which drives different expectations and different interpretations of past experiences.
0: Okay you're talking about changing the story and about changing the way that you look at the past you mentioned specifically changing your story from that of victim to a survivor and to me what that means a victim is someone who has something that is perpetrated on them a survivor is someone who has the inner strength to get through a difficult experience am i correctly understanding that and how do you work through that with your clients?
1: Okay. And, and the way that you work through it and understand it is one of several ways, healthy ways to look at that, right? You can be a victim. I'm not going to say that someone who isn't abused, for example, or who isn't attacked isn't a victim. You are a victim in that moment. Um, you don't have control. For example, if a child is victimized by their parents, they can't just move out and get their own place, right? You're, you are being victimized. But what you make that mean and hanging on to a victim mindset is about blaming others, uh, not allowing yourself to see the potential growth opportunities or what you can make it mean about you. So, for example, language is very powerful. If we had a functioning MRI or a PET scan where we could put you in and we could actually see in real time how your brain is responding to language. So not what I call like a Polaroid of getting an MRI of your shoulder, for example. But having a, a functioning MRI or PET scan, we can it's like a video or a movie. We can see it happening in real time. So if we put you in a functioning MRI and we flash the word survivor, we flash the word victim, your brain is going to light up in a different place and react differently than if we flash the word survivor. So language is really important. And so for me... The foundational technique that I developed, my very first technique was the delete-delete technique designed to help you interrupt those thought patterns that you're consistently having that aren't serving you. Because for example, the average person is having about 65,000 thoughts a day. And when I first heard that in my first Silva Method workshop years ago, I thought, no way, I'm not smart enough to think 65,000 things. But the truth of the matter is when you outboard our conscious thoughts, those thoughts that we're aware of that are getting us through our day, those second and third tier thoughts, those those other thoughts are not brand new thoughts. They're typically just repetitive thoughts from the past. And for the vast majority of people, those thoughts are not making them feel happy and confident and joyful, but they're rather keeping them stuck and angry and sad or feeling like a victim. So by using the delete-delete technique, we interrupt those neurocircuitry and we're cutting through the story and creating another story, or oftentimes just being more honest. The average person would never lie to others in the way in which they lie to themselves with the stories they tell
0: themselves. Can you give my listeners some, just a, a tip or two on how to start changing their own story
1: well, why don't I just teach your listeners the delete-delete? Phenomenal. Okay. So the, mind, the oldest form of communication is through storytelling. and edu- The oldest form of communication and, and, uh, communication and education is storytelling. So I named my first technique the delete-delete technique for a reason because in today's technological society, everyone has screens and keyboards and all those keyboards have a delete button. And unless you're working with high-level software, when you hit the delete button, that information just goes away. So how the delete-delete technique works is that when you recognize you've said something negative or you've had a negative thought, at whatever point you recognize that, I don't care if it was five minutes ago or you're in the middle of the thought now, you simply say out loud or to yourself, delete-delete, and you replace it with a positive. Now, because it's called the delete-delete technique, your mind is already open and fertile to that idea because it has attached a meaning or a story. You say delete, you push delete, it goes away. And so by using the delete-delete technique, you're interrupting that wiring and firing, which is habitual. You're cutting that connection and you're creating a new pathway to a new kind of thought. So let me give you an example. I had a client several years ago, a woman who was an executive coaching client. And we usually met in the afternoon. But on this particular day, we were meeting in the morning. And she was usually like really uptight and kind of like on it, very organized. And in this particular morning, she seemed kind of out of character, disorganized and a little bit frantic, I would say. And so we were talking and she said she confided in me that Every morning from the time she woke up at five in the morning until she got to her desk, she would consistently be telling herself, you're going to be late. It was her first thought. And she had this thought all the time. And she worried about being late. And she had confided in me that her daughter, who had just started kindergarten that year, that now when she's dropping her off at school most mornings, she's crying and it's upset and the mornings are a mess because the little girl's crying about being late. And mornings were just really difficult. And so I asked her, I said, well, how many times has your daughter been late to school? And she said, never. And it was January. So I knew the school year was half over. And I said, well, how many times have you been late to work? And she said, well, once, but the road was closed. So everyone was late. And so, you know, part of coaching is asking the big questions. And so I asked her, are you in the habit of lying to others in the way in which you lie to yourself? And one of the wonderful things about my work is I get to see people have light bulb moments. And in that moment, she kind of got it. And so I said to her, you know, I'm no math whiz, but let's just make it three hours instead of three and a half hours, five days a week. That's 15 hours. It's almost the equivalent of a full waking day that you're lying to yourself and creating this stress and duress and now doing this to your daughter. And it's not even true. And so this is true for so many people. We're telling ourselves stories that aren't even true, that undermine our confidence, our peace, our sense of being. Um, And so you have to create new, better patterns. And the delete-delete technique is the best way to do that. So how it works is I encourage everyone to just decide for the next three hours that you're going to work on the delete-delete technique. Put up a post-it or reminder on your phone. And just anytime you notice that you're saying something negative or having a negative thought, you don't argue with it. You just say literally to yourself or out loud, delete, delete, and you replace it with a positive. Now, the only caveat is the belief has to be believable, the new statement. So, for example, if you're sitting in traffic and you know you're going to be late, which probably isn't going to happen in the days of quarantine, right? Right. If you're in traffic and you know you're going to be late, saying, delete, delete, I'm going to be on time. That's Pollyannish, and that's not what this work is about, but saying, delete, delete, I'm doing the best I can. So imagine if you're giving yourself, instead of beating up on yourself about things, many things you can't even control, like traffic, and giving yourself the message, I'm doing the best I can. Imagine how just that begins to create a shift in how you think about yourself and how you treat yourself. So if you do this for three hours, and I've done this with thousands of people all over the world, what you will begin to notice just in three hours is that at first, well, you'll notice you had this thought or you said something a few minutes ago and you're deleting it. Within three hours, you'll catch yourself earlier and earlier in the thought process, in the middle of the thought, the beginning of the thought, probably 40 to 50% of you will have the experience in 3 hours that you feel a negative thought forming but before you're even consciously aware of it you can delete delete it because you're gaining that awareness the key to change is always awareness you can't do something about something you're not aware of so when you become aware it empowers you to then change your behaviors it, it, it empowers you to have different kinds of feelings to engage in different kinds of behaviors and to show up in your life differently.
0: So many times we think about change and we say things need to change. I need to change. I need to make change. And yet so many of us are unwilling to actually make any type of formative change, like what you're talking about. How do you deal with encouraging change in people? How do you deal with opening people to change? How do you deal with the resistance that we have as humans to making any kind of change like that in our lives and in our way of thinking?
1: Well, I have found the two most powerful coaching clients who come to this work. The first kind of person, it just has an open mindset. They're curious. Uh, they recognize they want to make changes and they're open to how that can happen. Um, the second person oftentimes has a closed mindset and they're not necessarily open or curious people, but they've reached a point in their life when the pain of the circumstances now outweighs the wanting to hold on to the old patterns. So, you know, someone who's hit rock bottom or is having a really painful consequence, uh, where they have to begin to look at things, they feel like they don't have a choice.
0: Got it. Is there a key element to change in someone's life?
1: always. So I have what I call the ABCC model. Anytime you want to make long-term sustainable change, you have to become aware because your thoughts, your beliefs, expectations, interpretations of past experiences are what brought you to where you are today. And if you want to be something different or if you want something different, you have to recognize that your thoughts need to change. Because your thoughts drive your feelings, and your feelings drive your behaviors, and your behaviors shape how you show up in the world or how you experience the world. So the key to change is awareness. As you raise your awareness and begin to make those connections, then your behaviors begin, how you feel changes, and that drives different kind of behaviors. And then those behaviors are the cease drive the CC, the creating change. So awareness, increased awareness drives different behaviors and different behaviors drive creating change in your life.
0: I love it. It's, uh, it's as simple as ABCC. C. The Jackson five didn't sing about the ABCC, but it, you know, we'll give, we'll give you credit for making it that simple. I appreciate that. This has been extremely informative and I feel like I've learned a ton. How do people get in touch with you? What's the What's the best way for people to contact you?
1: Well, the best way to, for people to contact me is my website is coachmonique.com. And I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes. I will. At the homepage at the top, there's an anxiety solutions tab. So for right now, we develop that tab within the first week of quarantining for people. And if you click on that tab and you load in your information and get on our list, we're doing webinars anxiety solutions webinars, relationship webinars, money anxiety webinars, so on all kinds of topics that are really pertinent to what's going on now. And of course, those are free to everyone. And then on my Facebook page, Coach Monique PGH, I do Monday morning mindfulness meditations every Monday at 10, as well as we do Facebook Lives with pertinent information. So for example, the first Friday of the quarantine at about four o'clock, I did a Facebook Live about how when you're home all the time and there isn't really any change, it's a little bit like being retired. You lose your Friday. And so when I did that Facebook Live, a lot of people... The feedback I got was, you know, I didn't know what it was, but there was something I was feeling and that Facebook live about losing your Friday was really helpful. And for example, I've done another one on the Sunday blues. So I enjoy sharing information and content, content that people take away from just 20 minutes and they go, yeah, that helps me recognize what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. I would say information is power. When you understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling and why you're behaving the way you're behaving, it allows you to create that space to create change.
0: You know, it's funny you talk about losing your Friday. My wife was joking the other day that remember when you were a kid and you had the underwear with the days of the week on them? Sometimes it feels like bringing those back during this whole COVID experience would be really helpful so that you know what day it is. So, yeah, I will definitely put a link to your website and uh, a link to that resource page will be down there as well you also when we were talking in the uh, pre-show interview mentioned that you're about your book and you're willing to give away a chapter of your book tell me about that
1: yeah I'm to your listeners only I'm going to give chapter three of my book most people don't need a therapist they just need a change And chapter three is all about the power of thought and it expands on why if you want to create any kind of change, it has to start at the level of thought for the reasons that we discussed. And it also expands on the delete-delete technique and it gives actual step-by-step instructions and why it's important. And I don't care if you're trying to make a change because you're overcoming a struggle or an obstacle or if it's totally positive and you just want to reach a stretch goal. All long-term sustainable change has to start at the level of thought. And chapter three of the book really um, gives you the information that's helpful as well as the direct um, ways to apply to lead to lead and other examples so people can see themselves maybe in the example.
0: You have been extremely generous with your time today. You have been very kind to offer all of these free resources to my listeners. I really appreciate that. You have established that you are indeed smart. I have established that I have learned from you. But at the end of every show, we need to establish that you're a person. And so I have three questions to establish your humanity that give our listeners a little bit of insight as to who you are as a person. Uh, you ready for your three questions?
1: I am. I'm a little nervous. I didn't know about Ah,
0: uh, It's the fun part of the show. You can just be you. Uh, are you a binge watcher?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, I am.
0: So what show have you most recently binge watched?
1: Uh, Well, I will say we have two soon-to-be 18-year-old twins at home. So there's the four of us here quarantining together. And we just finished up binge watching Waco last night. I actually stayed up till one in the morning so we could watch the last episode.
0: Excellent. What is your ideal vacation? Is it the beach? Is it the mountains? Or is it somewhere else?
1: Oh, I am such a lover of travel. So that's really difficult. Uh, Well, typically for us, uh, a spring break family vacation is at the beach somewhere. So I love family and I love travel. So we'll go with that. But I also love exotic travel through Europe and other parts of the country. But I'm going to go with the family and travel and the beach.
0: Last question for you. Where is the best local pizza place for you, and what do you get on your pizza? Oh,
1: my goodness. This is really tough. Um, well, I have to say I am a huge fan of Pizza Hut's Thin and Crispy. And then I like sausage, pepperoni, onions, and tomatoes. And I love that cracker thin crust, but it's getting really hard to get a Pizza Hut anymore. There aren't that many of them.
0: Thank you very much for sharing. I appreciate that. You have been very informative today. Thank you for being on the show. This has been Learning from Smart People. My guest today was Coach Monique DeMonico. This is Rob Oliver, and I'm reminding you of this. If you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.